Hello, welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since you received the insight. It's been a big game. There's talking points galore. And so we're back with the insight. Raj, as always, is with me. We'll get his thoughts in a second. He's looking tremendous, by the way, in a very tight white tee. Uh, and Curran is here for his debut. Arsenal fan, obviously, so we have to get you on. Very quickly, Curran. You okay? Everyone yeah, okay? Yeah, I mean, come on. It can't be too ecstatic after a 2-2 draw in the North London derby, but we... We we move. It's going to be an interesting talk today because a lot of things to talk about. All right. Uh, Raj, as always, we'll kick off with you. Overall, give us your sort of tactical input on what you thought happened in that game and, and maybe some things that you you thought were interesting. Yeah. First half, I thought it played out pretty much how I expected Arsenal's, as you expect, starting very aggressively that 4-4-2 press that they've got. It's become synonymous with Arteta and Arsenal now. And it was putting Spurs under the pump, to be honest. Spurs were turning over the ball in their own half in very dangerous positions for Arsenal to then attack from. Uh, the likes of Destiny Adogi, Papa Sarr, they were struggling under that Arsenal press. Um, and I thought there was a bit of Arteta kind of lulling the ball into those kind of players, Adogi, Sarr and Madison as well at times, and then jumping on them and turning the ball over. So, yeah, I think Arsenal did start the better team. Uh, then I think Spurs just had the courage to continue with their approach. With a few tweaks, I think uh, one thing I saw was Ange move Porro into more of a central position, put Saar out wider to kind of help him through the game, which is top man management skills, top tactical skills from Postacoglu there. And Spurs then eventually found ways out from the Arsenal press and also went a bit more direct, as we saw for the equaliser. Um, so, yeah, it was a very to-and-fro game. Second half then died out. I thought subs from both teams weren't great and and, and the match kind of mm. fizzled out. So, yeah, it, it was a very interesting game. I mean, I think for me that the main thing was, you mentioned the press, I think what we tried to do is we tried to funnel the ball because they were trying to get Madison deep so he could turn and run the build. And what we tried to do was to funnel the ball to him and then Jesus to try and pick up him and basically form that kind of trap as you may may put it to try and get him to turn the ball over um we tried to trap them in the corners quite a bit as well I don't know you mentioned Udogi as well so I think the main thing in that first half was we really tried to make sure that they were um they had to earn their build basically if they wanted to get out they had to earn it and we put them as under as much pressure as we could um the other thing I, I would say is I felt like the the Jesus miss kind of changed the game for me. I don't know about you guys, mm. but that was kind of the chain turning point of the game. Um, I think he he puts that in. That's two nil, and <laughs> then we're we're looking at a very different game. But at, at one nil, um, I think Spurs thought, you know, what, we they we we've made the mistake. We've made the mistake. They haven't punished us, so why why not just keep going? So they they kept going and they kept as as Raj mentioned. They were very uh, brave coming out of um, out of their build, making sure to evacuate a, a specific zone, especially in wide areas, to try and push out this build, uh, basically stretch the build, and then so we left space in the in the middle, so people could kind of turn and swivel. For example, uh, Madison when he did get into that middle area, was able to try and turn and swivel and get into the Kulisevsky ball that he was trying to make that same ball uh, again and again, and that kind of moved the ball very quickly. And um, we were mentioning off-stream about the uh, the the scare factor from the Spurs counter, um, whereas now it's more of an auxiliary factor than before. It was that was the entire threat. I think in the first fifteen to twenty minutes, 
Spurs spent a lot of the time trying to slow Arsenal down. Yeah. There was a lot of niggly tackles, a little bit of time wasting. Mm. Um, it was a very clever strategy because what we've definitely seen from Arsenal in recent times is the press only lasts 15 to 20 minutes, then gradually slows down, then comes back again. Um, I think Arsenal definitely have something to work on there. The press is inconsistent, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and then I think James Madison is someone that um, I want to talk about very quickly. But Raj, I think you just had something to say there. You were about to jump in on the press, weren't you? Yeah, I, I, we've got another theme that cropped up in the last episode. It's our old friend, the field tilt. So um, mm. Spurs had a lot of possession in that first half, similar to how Manchester United had a lot of possession in the first half against Arsenal. But it was a, I think it was a bit of a ploy for Marteta to let them circulate it around the back a bit and then jump, yeah. as uh, Curran mentioned, in certain traps. And as Curran mentioned, the Jesus chance came from Madison getting jumped on from, from behind mm. and losing the ball. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting difference with Arteta in big games. He, he's happy to not dominate at all times, but he does want that press to be razor sharp in certain areas. Um, I'll send you that graph later on, Rambo. Hey, last time you sent me, it was after the game. It did very well, so we go again. Um, James Madison, Raj, uh, you love him. He's from Coventry. But he is probably, and from me just watching the game, not having, I'm not that invested in Arsenal or Spurs in reality because I'm a Liverpool fan and we're going to win the league. Um, but no, I, I watch that game and see Madison and I just think, in terms of killer moments, he's essentially won Spurs the game. Um, you've raved about him for as long as yeah, I remember. James Madison, as you say, technical baller. Uh, the key thing with him is, this comes from a term that my friend on Twitter, Kanan Ahmed, is at the Witty Jack. He coined this term called the, the zone of influence. Yeah. And James Madison's zone of influence is massive. He can influence to play deeper, as we saw for the equaliser, he lofted that ball over the top for Kulisevsky in the first phase. He can influence the game out wide, as you saw when he beat Saka on the wing and then assisted Son. He can influence the game between the lines and play through balls in behind and split a defence. And he can even have a goal threat from inside the box and outside the box. So his whole zone of influence is massive. And that is why I love James Madison. Um, and he's really hard to stop. Uh, if, you, if you stop him in one way, he'll pick up another position of the pitch and then hurt you that way. So, yeah, he's an extraordinary footballer. And I made a comparison a few weeks ago when Spurs played Burnley. He's reminding me of peak Philip Coutinho at Liverpool. The way he's able to strike the ball, very similar to Coutinho. The way he's got that killer pass in his locker, very similar to Coutinho. And his dribbling in tight spaces is magnificent. Again, similar to Coutinho. So, I can see flashes of a similar player there. And he could he's in that kind of conversation with Bruno... Odegaard, KDB, um, yeah, he's in that kind of sphere now in terms of how high his performance level is. Yeah, I mean, Madison, for me, I think the interesting thing about how Andrew's used him today specifically is that he's trusted him to perform in all phases of the pitch. So he's trusted him to, to basically be that extra man to actually help them get out of the pitch because they were struggling hard. And even though it did form the mistake it was the bravery they showed that allowed them to get out of the thing and this is hard for me to say <laughs> I don't want to say this this is not something I want to be saying so um yeah no I, I've 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 been a long a time admirer for Madison but the main thing for me was when he was when he when we won when they won the ball back against Jorginho he was able to find them the correct moment to actually pick that past the sun he wasn't he didn't try to over uh be overly okay I'm going to get it out of my feet straight away and get it into the into son's into son's path he wasn't sort of okay wait i'm just going to try and delay as much as i can he found the correct timing so son was onside 
he was there for the moment and some pretty easy finish for him. So, yeah, I've got a lot of time for James Madison. And that, again, hurts as an Arsenal fan. But, um, yeah, no, very good player. Um, you, you just touched yeah. on uh, Jorginho, and I wanted to come there yeah. at some point anyway. But um, that change, we've used the word tilt a few times, probably <laughs> tilted the game. Yeah. Um, obviously, Rice comes off. Do you, Would you say that was probably the key tactical change in the game that maybe tilted the game in favour of Spurs a little bit? Because there was a period where Spurs, for 15, 20 minutes, I was going, actually, you know what? They they look like they could possibly win this game. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think from about, I would say, from about a minute after the penalty to about 80 minutes, I would say that period was was a bit like, oh, God, here we go. Um, but... I think the key the key word you use there is tactical difference, and I don't. And it was I think it was quite clearly something was due to an injury, and I don't think there was any tactical change. There's no. I don't think there was a. I think there was no other option for him, and that's the problem. I just felt like um, with Partey out as well. Like there's just like I, I, I'm I'm not turning to Mo El Nani in this in this situation. So. Um, yeah, it's a dis- it was a disappointing end to that uh, end to that second half, especially. Um, but I think if you're talking about how it changed the game, it I felt like a lot of our players today, and not just Jorginho, because I don't really fancy singling out players. A lot of our players, I think, were um, overly committed and overly wanting to make a mark on this match. I think there was a lot of um, uh, technical insecurity. I think I don't know if that's the right word. Just the inability to hold on and and, and just be calm on the ball at times. I think there was a lot of um, like uncharacteristic passes from Jorginho, Saliba even at times, uh, people were not getting ball to feet, Erdegaard at times not being able to hold onto the ball at times and being overly, I think, trying to do too much. And I remember Rice in an interview saying there was times um, when I'd come into, the, into Arsenal, he said that I wanted to, I was told to make things, to slow the game down, to not... To, to stand still at times. Standing still is probably one of the bit the mm. the biggest things that I I was told to do. And I felt like at times we betrayed that mantra at times. We were too overly aggressive and trying to win the game too much. When at times it should have been slow the game down and try to get men into the box. We weren't getting men into the box either, especially in that second half. Um Raj, where do you think the game could have ended differently? Because before we hopped on, Curran said both teams will be disappointed. Yeah, at, at that time of the substitution of Richarlison, Spurs were really in, in top gear. They were finding ways out of the press. Likes of Porro and Kulisevsky were really firing down that right-hand side, playing passes into other people's feet. Um, I, as I said earlier, I like that tweak of Porro being used on the inside. Um, it mm. really it opened up the passing lane to Kulisevsky, and it also took the pressure off Saar, who then could concentrate on his ball winning and then playing in the second and third phases. But yeah, I think... As you said, the Richarlison substitution, this guy is bang up, Nick. You can tell straight away, he's back to goal play. It's bouncing off him. His, his touch isn't very tight. He even had a cutback chance, which was very similar to what Son had. And he didn't strike the ball with any conviction. Uh, went out for a mm. cor- corner, I think it was. So, yeah, I, I think Andrew will be... I don't know whether Son was picking a, had a knock or something, but that was a very disappointing substitution from my point of view. I, I think it was a similar theme to Richarlison's performances earlier in the season so it shouldn't have come as any shock um and also the Hoiberg sub Hoiberg for Madison there's always going to be a, a decrease in how yeah. comfortable mm. your build-up's going to be as a result and I think Spurs when they get Rodrigo Bentancur back 
he's going to be a big addition to that midfield. He's another mm. ball-playing midfielder. I think he is actually even a level ahead of Saar at this moment in time. Well, we, we don't know how he's going to come back from his ACL tear, but before that, he was playing at a higher level than Saar is, even though Saar has looked uh, pretty promising. But yeah, so th- those were the two subs, I think, killed Spurs and momentum, Spurs and momentum. For Arsenal as well, I think there's a similar theme from the first half against Manchester United when Kai Havertz was playing that left-sided midfield role. He then again came on in that role in the second half today. Uh, my problem with it is Arteta's giving him pretty much licence to attack the box, try and pick up stuff in and around the box yeah. as an out- outlet. But he's not really getting involved in build-up play, as, for example, we saw with Granit Xhaka last season, acting as that kind of mm. deep, deep-lying playmaker. And again, same with that Manchester United first half. I think Arsenal are lacking that presence to kind of combine down that left-hand side. So much reliance on Zinchenko to do that. And also uh, just really probe at that defence. They're, they're lacking two, um, uh, lacking bodies behind the ball to do that. And I think uh, it's quite surprising for it me. It depends on the, on the situation though, doesn't it? Because if you look at how we, we built in that second half, especially towards the end of the game, it was Gabriel wide left and Zinchenko inside. The spacing was fine. It was the fact that we didn't really have a wide outlet, which is why I was hoping Reese would have come on for Eddie, not Jesus, because I felt Reese um, left would have given you a bit more of a, a a bit more a bit more wide spacing on that side. I just felt like it was a case where I felt if we took off off Jesus for Eddie, and then Emil for for Saka, I felt like if you just if you sub off, uh, if you're t- bringing on Reese, then surely you'd want to keep your um, you you want you want to keep the, the the ability to rotate in and out from that central forward position a bit better than you would with it, for example an Eddie. So I think that's where um, I felt it was a bit off with the subs. Um, in terms of Havertz not being in build, um, I, the space the spacing and actually co- the actual combinations were fine. It was just the fact that we weren't having that underlap or the, the run into the box that we got from Granite. Granite was great at doing an underlap behind be behind the centre-back and full-back into that zone to, to cut back or to run in uh, and get get on the end of something or try to create something. That's what we were missing from Havertz. I'm not um, sure why he he's not providing either because he's got the power to do yeah, it as well. That's his, that's uh, his role. Yeah, that's yeah. his role. So I, I'm surprised how we, that hasn't been kind of seen in his game so far when he's playing that role. He's more kind of like ghosting into spaces rather than making mm. that de- deliberate underlap or overlap, uh, as you say, that we saw from Xhaka. Um, so yeah, he, he. I think he had one chance on the edge of the box, which he could have done better with. But yeah, that's all we saw yeah. from him. He snatched at it. Yeah. The thing for Kai, I think, is that when you've got someone like Granite, despite all the sort of noise around Granite, Granite Jack is standing right there. Of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If my if my Twitter out wasn't at Rambo FY, I'd be at Jackistan. Um <laughs> But I do think. Jacka had a lot of unselfishness to his game, mm-hmm. so a lot of his ta- a lot of the time he's charging into the box because he actually knows for a fact he's not going to receive the ball. He's creating angles for someone else. Mm-hmm. Whereas I do think Kai Havertz at the moment, and to be honest, previously as well, he's not really the sort of player that is extremely unselfish off the ball. Um, he's good in duels, like Arteta said. But I was looking at some of his stats for Germany because uh, I think it's really difficult to look at stats from Chelsea because he ha- he really struggled and no yeah. one was doing very well. But he's not one of these players that really sparks to life off the ball. He's actually sort of he actually does just stand around at times and sometimes arrive late. But I think his confidence is shot. It's really difficult when you're like confidence is shot, nobody rates you. That ball comes down off his chest and I think Gary Neville said in commentary, oh, he's got to do better there. I was like, he's under so much pressure. Yeah. The kid's like he's struggling. Really? Um 
before we, before I'm sure you 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 would like to go soon, but the main thing I, I'd like to to pose, and I think the the audience kind of can hear this as well. I've always been a proponent of uh, switching our eights. I think switching Erdogan to the left and putting Kai on the right. Um, I just think that you have a balance of a runner and a and a creator there on both sides there, because with Martinelli and you have Erdogan there, and then you'd have Kai who's um, can provide hopefully the overlap or underlap on the right, um, and have Saka come inside a bit more not have Ben White constantly having to do the running up and down, up and down constant, consistently. So um, I wanted to put that to you guys and maybe the audience as well. So um, you can, can have Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, I, that. I agree. Uh, there's something I would like to see from Arsenal in future matches is, as you say, switching Erdogan to the left. As you say, you've got that between the lines presence there and, and kind of creative passing. And then mm. you, you've already got Bukayo Saka who can provide that on the right and then have a runner mm. like Smith Rowe as well. Smith Rowe is a great option as well. Yeah. 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 He's got that unselfishness, power, work rate on that right-hand side. You can allow Saka to then come inside and Saka's flourishing. Yeah. yeah. And and the other thing is, is that the relationship they have as well, they they know where they're going to be on the pitch as well, especially on the same side of the pitch. I mean, they grow up, um, Saka, Joe Willock, and it was Tyrese John Jules, as well as Emil. They all grew up in that same team. So, um, We've seen it before in the past. If there is a chance you can get Emil to really attack that that right side and be like, even you, you know, Nubed, Nubed will know the the overlap that Jordan Henderson used to provide from that from right centre mid, being able to attack that zone from wide, allow Salah to cut inside and really be in his best zones and really get goals. So, yeah, I think that that was something I would like to see from us. There was a moment in the game, uh, I think the second goal came from it, actually, where Ben White, sorry, the first goal came, Ben White came, um, I think he overlapped, yeah, yeah, Saka came inside, and I think... Um, they they, they dropped, Johnson, yeah. Yeah, and they both got sucked into the wide area, yeah. um, but that, that is something that needs to uh, sort of continue to happen. Um, Raj, we spoke before, and you were sort of having a, a little chat with me about Arsenal potentially having a change of setup. What are you thinking here? Yeah, as I was saying before, like as I think Smith Rowe on that right side in number eight role, yeah. uh, Erdegaard in the left side in eight role, and then you have a bit as, as Curran said, a bit of power and a bit of creativity on both sides. You'll have the Smith Rowe's power and you'll have Saka creating between the lines on the right. You'll have mm-hmm. Erdegaard's creativity and passing ability on the left, and then Martinelli providing that athleticism, one v one threat and goal scoring ability. So I think that is an ideal balance. Um, mm-hmm. It will be about whether Havertz at that price, he's going to have to find his way in the 11. But I would like to see Kai Havertz as a number nine. I think that is his best position for me. I think his movement, that's one of his best traits. And the key is just going to be getting him into that rhythm of scoring. There was a time at Chelsea uh, under Tuchel, midway through the season, I think it was a 20-21-22 season, Havertz looked brilliant. He was looking like the sec- second mm. coming of Dennis Bergkamp at one point, chesting the ball down, volleying. Um, his close control in the box was fantastic. I think the potential is there. It's all about getting him into a good rhythm. And I don't think playing him in that left side eight role is doing that. I would like to see him as a number nine. But of course, Gabriel Jesus was fantastic against Piers Eindhoven. And it has mm. been brilliant in many games when he hasn't been injured. A big thing about this, this start of the season is relationships. I think forming relationships on the pitch has been a big thing that Arteta's mentioned. I think it's a big thing that we need to think of as a as a, as a as a team, I think. With the ability we had from, for example, the Ben White and Saka relationship on the right, we are still trying to figure out what's what's going on the left. Is where where's the overlap coming from? Where's mm. the positioning going to be? Where 
Um, when do you drop? When then? Where, where's the space you drop into for someone else to run? These kinds of things. The wall passes we've been seeing from Vieira and Havertz consistently dropping in and, and passing it left. I think that's a major thing as well. Um, but the main thing I think is just to give it a bit of time. I still think it is a bit. I know I'm. I'm it does. It's not going to sound a bit of a cop out, but it is still very early in the season. It's still we're still six games in. We played two the big six teams, and we're only one point behind of where we were last year. I don't think we're at panic stations yet. Um, uh, it does. It's going to come back, come across. I can, I can hear it already. That I'm going to come across as a Spurs sympathizer, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, look, you credit, like Madison, that's look, already uh, look, a problem. Look, credit, about. <laughs> credit, credit is we have to give credit where it's due. They played a they played a very good game. Um, I do think as the season wears on, like like with us last year, that is going to be that squad is not as 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 deep as as I think people are making it out to be. Um, but we'll see. Um, I, I I can't wait for the return game. That's what that's what I'll say. I'll see you at your see you at your spot. You tried it at ours, so we'll see where it goes. Raj, before we go, anything else you want to add? No, I think that's about it, really. I think it does lead... Within 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, what I'm just scared about is this Man City machine that's purring along. I mean, these guys just look unstoppable at the moment. We we will... We lost Rodri, OK. We, we, we will look at Man City very soon. I think the next insight will be Liverpool-Tottenham and then it's Man City's turn. Um, but... As I've said many times, if you listen to the podcast, then make sure you tweet us as well. If there's topics you want us to talk about, we'll do inside episodes on those topics. One that springs to my mind um, came to me the other day about sixes, just sixes in general. Outside of Rodri, are there many? But we will talk about those details as well. Curran, thank you for, no for hopping on. Uh, check Curran out on uh, Twitter, obviously, Raj, as always, as well. Uh, and we'll see you uh, next time.